yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Alright, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast, because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. First with us today, we got DC. What up, dude? And also with us today, we got Cancer. What up? What's going on? Welcome to the show, guys. Glad Thank to be back. Welcome, welcome. DC, you said you never tried that before. What exactly are you drinking? Exactly. So this is a uh, Arbor Brewing Company. I believe they're out of Ann Arbor here. I believe so. But this is a Strawberry Blonde. 6.8 gravity. It's pretty good. I don't know how to explain it. It tastes a little strawberry-ish, but it's not a fruity beer. It's kind of like just a, like a drop. It's hard to say what it, it it doesn't quite taste like a blonde, but okay. it does. Like it's hard to explain, but it, it's pretty good. I like it. Of course, I cheated and I drank one before the podcast <laughs> started, but uh, so far I like it pretty good. I bought a um, excuse me short six pack, which usually you know I like to buy everything that's in the tall. But I think I've run the gambit on most beers that I can find in the tall. Okay. That I haven't had on this podcast already, so got to go to shorts now. <laughs> Cancer, you always bring your A game when it comes to beers. You're like, you and Tanks, the local resident beer aficionados. <laughs> so, what'd you bring to drink? Well, I didn't know it was cheating, so I already had five of these. But uh, <laughs> this is uh, Blackberry Cobbler. It's a uh, Belgian white ale from uh, Hard. It's Hardywood Park Craft mm. Brewery in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. It's it looks shit. like that style looks the same as uh, the the same company that does the M43 and the Boss Tweet. Oh, They're yeah. set up. They Old use Nations? The same, the Old Nations. If yeah. you look at that, it's like bear can with like a black and white label on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That Old Nations that you brought up? Mm-hmm. My cousin texted me earlier. He texted me a picture that he's seen on Facebook. The store around here had a limited release of Old Nations Brewery, a M43 strawberry. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was like, oh, I never had a strawberry one. I might have to go grab one of those. I went up to my local corner store, came back home. By the time I was home, he had texted me again. Their Facebook, same Facebook, but with Mm -hmm. a red X through it, said sold out. Yeah, I literally sold out in like 20 minutes. I recommend going to the brewery. The actual brewery is great. I've been there a few times. M43 is great, but they have have a lot of variety that, that you don't really see in the stores. Oh, I'm sure, because all I really know is the M43, the Boss Tweed. Yeah. And Tank told us about another one that was coming out limited release, but so far, Boss Tweed, ever since Tank introduced me to it, it's literally my favorite beer now. It's a good That beer. thing is delicious, and I think it's because it's not one flavor like all the rest of the beers. Like, right. I don't know what it is about that beer, but... Like, it literally has, like, four different tastes to it all in one beer. It has your drink in it. <laughs> and it kicks your ass, too. It does. Yeah, the best yes. ones are complex like that. Mm-hmm. Something on the front end, something on the back end, something in the yeah. middle. Yep. So, I don't have a beer. I'll probably switch it up at uh, switch it up at halftime. Oh, yeah. But I've been fucking with some of these cocktails, and I'm a whiskey drinker. So, I got a highball, and it's a super simple drink. So, all it is is whiskey of your choice, ginger ale, but we're in Michigan, so... Verners, 
<laughs> and then a citrus of your choice. And that's it. So I got this uh, Traverse City Whiskey Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a real good whiskey, so I use that. Some Verners. So I made a Michigan highball. Nice, yeah. nice. I haven't tasted it, but from across the room, it looks delicious. What I really like about them is that I never like cocktails because I don't like the simple syrup. I don't like the sour mix. I don't like anything syrupy. The Verners is kind of light, you know, and then when it's with the whiskey, it takes some of the extra oh, yeah. bite out of it. So it's a really good, it's a good summer drink. Mm-hmm. I'm stepping up. I'm, <laughs> my wife ain't going to be the only uh, bartender in the house, all right? I'm going to start making some cocktails. You fucking Tom Cruise in no time. <laughs> Look, I don't cook a lot of things, mm-hmm. but I cook like four things real well. I'm going to do that with mixed drinks. <laughs> Got four fucking signature drinks, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Shit, that's a well-rounded that... individual, right. a renaissance man. But you know I... what they say about the dangerous man, right? Not he who practices a thousand kicks, but he who practices one kick. 1,000 times. That is true. Yeah, you you do a couple things real well. Yeah. (laughs) Like Joe Rogan's kick. (laughs) Yeah, that's spinning back kick. The legendary Joe Rogan kick. That that even GSP went to for less than? That GSP fucking stand on. Yeah. He stand about that fucking kick. He's like, his eyes, like a little kid. He's like, you're going to show me the kick? You're going to show me the kink? That was a heartwarming moment, bro. (laughs) It's like, to see a guy that tough, to see a guy that's that good, Stand out, mark out over somebody else's move that doesn't even fight. And then you see it, and you're like, God damn, he folded that bag. Before we get started, we got to make sure we always thank uh, Six Post Wayno for letting us use his music in the intro. And then today we could thank in person, Cancer, because we use this song in the mid-roll, Blood. Oh, you're, you're more than welcome. And the great logo. Yes. So our our logo, you go to his Instagram, Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. He designed our logo. He's got all kinds of graphic art and stuff like that. Yeah, I mess around a little bit. Anybody, because uh, Duke brought it up on the podcast, he had a hard time finding your stuff at first because with cancer, the E is a three. Yes. So if... Uh, because the cancer with the E is this little known thing that affects like millions of people. <laughs> people aren't a fan. So it's kind of hard to find if you just name it cancer. So yeah. And any of those links, Instagram, whatever, if you can't remember them, you can go to the website. <laughs> so we got the website, badguypodcast.com. And then all the show contributors are listed uh, under the sponsor section. You can hit their social media or whatever from there. So we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering <clears throat> today, Rudy Giuliani, is John Frederick Hayes. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. A three-namer. Gotta be good. It's a very serial killer name. Uh-oh. I already see uh, John Frederick Hayes, a.k.a. Chow Hayes. Chow Hayes. <laughs> yes, Chow Hayes. All right. And even when he didn't go by Chow, he went by Fred. So he's either a chef or he's Asian. <laughs> <laughs> you ever notice in different generations, like, names just fade away? Who do you know young named Frederick? <laughs> young how young? 21 and under. Oh, None. <laughs> that name None. died like in our yes, generation. Rhetoric. Yeah, it's, it's like a, so... like the Edith or something. Yes, and it probably got replaced by some people who didn't know how to spell it by re- rhetoric. Rhetoric. <laughs> so you got somebody named Rhetoric. So Chow Hayes was born September seventh, nineteen eleven, in Paddington, New South Wales, Australia. His father went off to fight with the Light Horse Brigade in World War One when he was three years old. So him and his mom went and lived with his grandparents. And not long after that, his grandfather died of the bubonic plague. Wow. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Did he eat a rat? 
Let a rat eat him. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so the Light Horse Brigade of Australia, they served in Gallipoli. So they had a lot of mm. big campaigns in World War One. But World War One hit Australia real hard. Due to a high casualty rate, there was a generation with few adult males in the house. And many that did make it back were amputees and disabled. Man. That was in what year? World War Two or World War One started in ni- 1914. Oh, okay. Is when it started. And it ended in 1918. <clears throat> Got it. After the war, his dad had PTSD issues. At the time, it was referred to as shell shock, and he was sent to various mental health facilities. The one time that Chow Hayes seen his dad after he left for the war, he was inst- institutionalized and in a straitjacket. Wow. That's one way to uh, deal with issues. You could help them, and you know you could have great medical stuff. Or we just leave them as crazy and put them in a straitjacket. Yeah, it's come quite a ways since. Uh, <laughs> I mean, since so when we try and co- yeah, when we want to complain about mental health nowadays, let's just look at 1918. Oh yeah, like the guy that invited Kellogg's at one point was like, I don't know. Oh god, don't yeah. have sex and take a walk and uh, <laughs> shoot some milk up your ass and see if that helps. <laughs> he became known as Chow at a young age. He had a slightly Asian look, and in an elementary school <laughs> fight, a kid called him a dirty Chow. And the so nick- I called that one. <laughs> the nickname stuck for the rest of his life. You know what's funny about that? You remember that was the story of, like, Napster. He was in school in class one day, and some guy was talking about it. He's like, well, that's why you got nappy hair. And they started calling him <laughs> Napster, and he, he literally made Napster based that's on funny. that. funny. <laughs> Napster. Kids just, you know, cruel. Give you any kind of name. Well, and the the nicknames... Yeah, I've had a few. (laughs) The worst nicknames are always the ones that stick. Fat Mexican and (laughs) Downriver. Short, fat, bald Mexican Downriver. Yeah, I've had a name or two. So he stopped showing up for school at eight years old and started selling newspapers at the Central Railroad Station. By 11 years old, he was running with a gang called the Railway Gang. They would rob new arrivals when they showed up at the train station or shoplift from the local department stores. At 11 years old, Chow Hei started carrying a razor blade as a weapon. As a peaky blinder? <laughs> Pretty much. He was often caught for truancy as well as shoplifting and assault, and he spent years in, a, in and out of boys' reformatories. At 14, he was sent to Gosford's Boys' Home, which Hayes later referred to as his criminal university. When I was doing the research, I heard one guy in a documentary refer to it as gladiator school. We see how they do their mental health. They don't do their juvenile delinquents much better. Put all the criminals together. Some are going to have specialties that other ones don't. So either they kill each other or they teach each other. Exactly. It's funny. I was watching a a YouTube video. It was a guy that was interviewing another guy. And both of them had done time in prison. And one was on the white collar side. And one was more like, I think he had did a robbery or something like that. And something I never thought about as to the reason why they separate Certain criminals, they said it's not because they're afraid of the white-collar criminals getting beat up or anything like that. It's literally they don't want to put the brains and the brawn together. That right. makes sense. And I never thought about that Me before neither. in my life until I watched I thought I it was for the same video. thing. I thought it was because they didn't want him yep. to get beat up. So when he was released at 17, Chow Hayes had developed a mentality of never backing down to anyone and physically opposing his authority on anyone who wouldn't listen. He also bought his first gun, a thirty-eight revolver. By the late 1920s, Australia had a booming criminal underworld. The primary rackets were illegal gambling, prostitution, drug dealing, and sly grogging. Now, what is that last thing? Mm-hmm. The 20s in America were big because of the prohibition, right? Mm-hmm. They banned liquor, so we'd have speakeasy. Mm-hmm. In Australia, they didn't have prohibition. But they did say you couldn't buy liquor after 6 o'clock 
How and they dare were like, they? "Fuck that!" <laughs> and Slygrog, oppressive government. So Slygrogging was speakeasies. They have We're, amazing nicknames for everything <laughs> in Australia. Yeah, I mean, but, like it's ridiculous. They're incredible. Yeah, why would you go with speakeasy when you could call it Slygrogging? Slygrogging. I do think it's crazy that they were able to generate a whole criminal racket out of not being able to drink past six. Like, Listen, that's still every day. But... Every angle, man. Any angle you can see. Like, if one person wants to drink past six, we're going to make that happen. Yes, sir. They probably weren't getting off of work until, like, six. You come home. The wife didn't have the drinks ready for you. Now you got to hop on the horse, <laughs> go back out. This is too much pressure. <laughs> And if I, the horse doesn't start, then what? Are you gonna walk? <laughs> Fuck that! I'm I'm going down to the slagrog. Exactly. And then the drug dealing was real big because cocaine, and back then it was it was sold like in liquid form as like an elixir. Oh, the um, good old days. It became illegal in 1925, and you have this whole group of people that are just used to going to get this liquid cocaine whenever they wanted. I wonder how Wall Street would have been if cocaine was just always legal. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, yeah. if cocaine had never been illegal, I just can't imagine what Wall Street would have been like in the 80s. They would have been way less successful because they'd all just been ooting all day. Yeah, because they would have had to find something else to do. <laughs> the funny thing is, I think they were all doing it all day anyway. They were. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, if it was legal, it would be like they might have found something harder. I don't know. Yeah, just drink a Coke. The Pistol Licensing Act of 1927 added increased prison time for firearm possession which made way for what's now known as Australian Razor Gangs. In America, we have guns all over, right? I have you know, six on me right now. Right, right <laughs> you know, any any street kid could pick up a gun, no, a hot piece, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe got a you know, couple bodies on it or whatever, but you can yeah. find something somewhere. You it's know? the U.S., you got guns. Right, this is America, anybody can get a gun, you know? Get guns for my babies and shit. <laughs> yeah. But other countries don't have guns like that, right. so they're harder to come by. They came up with the rule because at first, a lot of these guys they sent home from World War One, they sent home with their guns. So you had these drunk, uh, you know, drunk guys with issues and stuff. Shell shock. With, like yeah. gun- okay. So eventually they said, you know what, no more guns, and they doubled down on the time. So you get a year just for even possessing a gun. Mm. So anybody they found, found you with a gun, that's a year right there. So they became these Australian Razor Gangs, and then the late 20s is known as the Razor Wars. And uh, Oh, that sounds horrible. So they would fight in the streets 20 to 30 deep. These big razor fights. Man, that's that's brutal. Well, they would fight to maim, is what it said. Mm -hmm. They need to bring that back. I think the UK still does that. Because they don't have guns. You always hear about stabbings in the UK. Man. Yeah. Well, they like to they like to fist fight, right? Like over in the cobbles, they like to bare knuckle a lot. But any little advantage, you know. In Australia, it became a badge of honor to get a big scar on your face. Mm. Every one of these are just mug shots. So you could just Google like the Australian razor gangs and you'll get all these creepy pictures of all these criminals with all cut up faces. Oh, and honestly, yeah. that was kind of your way to show what a badass gangster you were. I agree that that is somebody I wouldn't want to fuck with mm. because I am going nowhere near a 30 on 30 razor fight. <laughs> no, I'll order no. it on pay-per-view, but I'm not going to be anywhere near Fuck that. So Chow Hayes was different. He wasn't afraid of prison time. He had been in and out of prison his whole life. So when everybody else went to Razors, he still carried firearms. Mm. (laughs) Bring a gun to a knife fight. What he would do was he started, 
he would collect guns and then he'd stash them. He'd come up with weapon stashes in every different neighborhood. That way he didn't have to carry them around with him. But no matter what neighborhood he was in, he always had a spot he could go to to get a gun. So he's playing Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> he's the original guy who created Grand Theft Auto. That's hilarious. <laughs> so they, they need to do a change of outfits. Red Dead Revolver, Australian edition. Right. Another thing that was crazy about him, he was the opposite of reform. Because anytime he went to prison, when he got out, he immediately felt like he had to do crazy shit right off the bat to reestablish himself to let everybody know, hey, I'm back in the neighborhood. And oh, so he didn't get to keep his seniority. When he, right. Uh, <laughs> when, when he went or he's just a crazy person that just wanted more every time. Like people were still like, like, "Hey, Chow, we get it. You're the only one with the gun. We, we respect yeah, you." Yeah, like, yeah. no, I gotta beat one of you with this. <laughs> <laughs> and to shoot you in the face. So he had established a reputation as a fearless, violent career <laughs> criminal. That was all solidified. One day he was at a party in Paddington when he was younger, and he was in there talking to this lady. And this guy uh, named Frank Green came in, who was older. He was a slight rocker. He was a big guy in the neighborhood. He was also known as a gunman. He carried guns. He was just uh, like the OG. You know what I mean? And he came in, uh, seen Chow talking to this girl, went in, bitched him out, berated him, embarrassed him, and threw him out the party. Chow Hayes left, and they waited outside for four hours till Frank Green came out, and he beat him with a metal pipe. Until he had a fractured skull and head. He ended up in the hospital for four months. Jesus. And then pretty much retired as a criminal after that. Mm. <laughs> I mean, did he retire when he started his <laughs> hospital visit? Or was it a decision that took him four months? Like, I got to tell you, man, it's been three months and three weeks and I'm not doing any better. I think I need to retire. Listen, the old guy, Green, he never watched. Donnie Brasco from the Bronx, whatever that movie was. Donnie Brasco was the movie, right? No, See no, that? no. That's uh, Carlito's way. Carlito's way. He Benny never, Blanco from yeah, the Bronx. Benny Blanco. Benny yeah, that's Blanco. What he, he never watched it, so he didn't know. Listen, that young, angry guy. Don't embarrass him. He'll come back and hurt you. So now he was Sydney's most feared gangster. He'd work as muscle and as a standover man for Sydney criminal Kate Lee before eventually going off on his own. Standover man, is that like the right hand man, like the right hand muscle, or what is that? It's uh another just an Australian term for extortion. Uh, okay. So it's standover like. Standover, you're taking me the money. Yeah, <laughs> literally standover. Now, which means that you've been knocked down already. <laughs> he would be a standover man. The rest mm -hmm. of that was kind of his go-to gig, and they would talk about it. And when he was in prison a lot. He would be a, a standover guy, which then literally meant as you're sitting at your table or something. Yeah. He would come stand over you. Until you gonna finish those potatoes? Yeah, until you gave him what he wanted. In 1932, he married his childhood sweetheart, Gladys King, who went by the name Topsy. Of course, you did. <laughs> what year was this now? In the 20s? 1932. 1932. That's oh, another one Topsy. of those names that you won't hear for the new generation. <laughs> Who's she? Oh, his five year old daughter. She's so cute. What's her name? Gladys. Gladys. <laughs> Gladys. <laughs> Hilda and Gladys. <laughs> they're gonna grow up to be strippers <laughs> they would end up having four kids three boys and one girl the girl was also named topsy wow well, okay. you know. <laughs> gladys or topsy because topsy was a nickname right? i don't know honestly no. i don't know we don't all know. i do know is they, they said they named her topsy also so <laughs> in 1938 he murdered a fellow kate lee associate named henry baker basically he was trying to stand over Chow Hayes. By then, Chow kind of was doing his own thing, but he still had those connections. And this was like a Kate Lee guy. 
Can't he stand did. over a standover guy. Right. Shot him twice and killed him, and he was never prosecuted for the murder. Wonder why. Probably he, told the story, and they were like, yeah, he can't. I mean, you're the muscle. He can't be muscle. No, that sounds about right. Yeah. Probably no witnesses Case closed. Like, <laughs> yeah. Most of, uh, killed himself. Most of his stuff was lack of witnesses. Like, he was real yeah, known. That's what I was he was a scary say. guy. I mean, this is still the heyday of don't fucking tell or. I ain't seen nothing. Yeah. Um, Notice just, I didn't attempt a horrible <laughs> Australian accent. I, I thought about and it earlier. I thought about it earlier, and I was like, "Nah." You need Duke for that. He's, the, he's, <laughs> he's got the, the accent. Yeah, he has the accents down. You got like seven subscribers in Australia, and then <laughs> six of them are like, "Fuck this guy." <laughs> Fuck that, him. That's what you think. Australia. That's what. <laughs> that's what you think Australians sound like, dude. <laughs> Throw another ship on the Bobby. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Now you're down to half of us. <laughs> we, we were charting in Australia. In New Zealand. Yeah. During World War II, he started an operation <clears throat> selling cigarettes on the dock to departing U.S. soldiers. So Australia was a big docking spot. So what they would do is grow they would grow cabbage and dry it and take cigarettes and cut them and re-roll them. Prim- made up primarily of dry cabbage. Ah, man. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do to Got a bunch a of soldiers addicted to cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> Like they was establishing one of the first really nice duty frees, you know, yeah. where you get stuff cheap before you go across the border. Reminds you of that kid who bought a bag full of pencil shavings and thought it was weed when he was a kid. Parsley. Oregano. Oregano and parsley. There's no way that they're thinking this has to be dried cabbage. They would have no idea what it was. You know, somewhere on one of those boats, there was some dumbass American soldier that was like, I like the Australian cigarettes. I think they're good. <laughs> yeah, they got. I like their blend. Hey, I know blend. somebody back in the day that would take their weed and buy that stuff from High Times that was like the herbs, but it looks like the real stuff. Oh, yeah. And they would mix it to stretch their weed that they would sell to people. Uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad I've never been in a position where I've had to cut my weed. It's like that dream smoke shit. Oh, like yeah, that's, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah. God, that's horrible. One of his partners in the cigarette business was Eddie Wyman. And they got in a dispute over Eddie Eddie's payouts. He basically thought he was lying about what he was actually making to pay out. And as an extortionist, you can't let that fly. Because once one guy gets away with it, everybody wants to get away with it. They had already got into it, and then they said they were going to squash it. But in an interview with Chow Hay, he said, well, yeah, we both said it, but I knew he wasn't going to stop, and I wasn't going to stop. And on New Year's Day, 1945, he snuck into the house and shot Eddie five times in the back while he was laying in his bed. Let him do it. How do you do that back in the 1900s? It's not like they had really good ways where floors wouldn't creak and they had nice plush <laughs> carpet or anything like that. <laughs> Are you really sleeping that hard? He's a really heavy sleeper, man. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't hear me coming. It was not like it was a musket that he had to load, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So he was arrested and tried for the murder, but was not convicted. And that's a murder that he later admitted to. All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to take a real quick smoke break, uh, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
this jameson it's jameson cold brew which is jameson irish whiskey mixed with uh cold brew coffee and when i seen it i had to grab it because it reminded me right away of the triple stout that you make up like yes. cold brew so like it's like jameson was reading your journal and Absolutely. made a fucking little drink but uh what'd you guys think i gotta say i'm a fan yeah big fan yeah i think they did a great job <clears throat> the only disappointment i have right now is that Locke did not give me a han solo ice cube so like my ice is very minimal right now and so i blame him for not giving me the han solo ice cube but other than that the jameson is right on point it literally tastes like they had the perfect mixture of the triple stout and even if you didn't like the taste of it you have to like the smell of it you can it's you can smell the caramel no- oh man i don't want to sound like a pretentious dude but you you can smell the caramel notes i'm gonna say it i don't give a shit caramel notes caramel notes caramel notes <laughs> i'm not gonna swish it around i'm not gonna do any of that shit but you can smell the caramel notes okay I'll i say keep, it i keep smelling it i got allergies i'm just doing i just think it looks like i know what i'm doing if i do that <laughs> But no, I agree. The caramel notes are. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, there's a there's a way to say pretentious shit without being pretentious. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, if, and by the time it. you realize that you had it half out, like you know what I yeah, got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, eh, it's got caramel notes like it's mom. Well, I got one of uh, DC's strawberry blondes too. So it's my first time drinking. Do you it. smell the strawberry notes? <laughs> now this is what's weird. I wonder how it's gonna taste after you just having a Jameson. Pretty good. Actually, yes, yeah, it's a good combination. Oh, I might okay. pour the rest in there. <laughs> <laughs> We're I'm in the Midwest, I believe we, we call that a boiler maker. Yes, that's what that is. And speaking of mixing, just a uh, little side tip for everybody whenever you're at a brewery, always ask your uh server what their favorite mix is. You okay. get some interesting mixes, nice. Yeah, because once I had uh, I had asked somebody and they said, Oh, it's the something Elvis, and it was a, a Hefeweizen mixed with uh, a peanut butter stout. Mm. so you have, the, you have the banana you have the peanut that. butter that was a, a couple fat guys response yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> dough sounds delicious <laughs> all right well we'll get back to it so we left off chow Hayes. see you can tell it's good because i don't remember where we left off <laughs> what was he talking about uh something australia <laughs> Something so, about shin groggers uh, or uh, goggles or something. Sly goggles. Guns, knife fights, you know. <laughs> yeah, the you usual. know. Razor blades. <laughs> well, this is Australia. you got to be more specific. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that's, yes. mo- that's most stories. Crime? Uh, when we left off, Chow Hayes was basically the, the leading standover man in Sydney, Australia at the time. 
Although vicious, he had his own personal moral code against involving who he dubs squareheads. All right. <laughs> Another so that, good term. So that's what he called legitimate people. So anybody that was oh, just yeah, a, squares. Yeah. Squareheads. That excluded squareheads from violent crimes, not from crimes of property. Oh, so you could still okay. steal from squareheads. You just Oh mm. God. So he was he was fine with stealing, but he didn't he didn't believe in hurting people outside of the business. One night after killing a man on Oxford Street at four in the morning, he was seen by a newspaper vendor. Nobody's there, he gets in the car and to leave, and a news vendor sees him. So the car stops and comes back, and Chow Hayes gets out and he goes over to the news news vendor and he bought a paper for twenty pounds, which is a modern equivalent of about three hundred dollars. He told him that the tip was for his bad eyesight. A.K.A. a bribe. He didn't <laughs> shoot him. Yeah. He didn't shoot him in the eyes. Because he was a squarehead. Yeah. You saw nothing. Keep the change. So he was really proud of the fact that his wife Topsy was a squarehead. So he always bragged about it. She was a nurse. So he's proud that she wasn't involved in any of the stuff that they were doing. Right. Okay. She, for the most part, was a doting wife. And even though he was barely home and he was regularly doing three to six month stretches, like all the time, <laughs> she never seemed to have any knowledge of his criminal dealings. Obviously, she had to know he was up to no good. She just wasn't in on the uh, planning Yeah, I just don't want to hear the details and right. shit. She was never in his criminal dealings until 1951. So in 1951, an upcoming Sydney criminal and former boxer Bobby Lee and his crew was working security at an underground gambling den. And they end up beating the shit out of a group of Chow's men. I mean, I guess you guys probably heard enough story to know that that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Chow doesn't like that. And Bobby Lee basically thought Chow wasn't shit. And he said, like, I'll just take the lead and we'll just go take him out. Like, I'm sick of his shit. I don't see why everybody's got kisses his ass. He's not even that big. I guess he was like 5'8 and wiry. When he got older, he looked a little bit fat. But he's never like a big guy <laughs> or anything. He decides they're going to go take him out. Bobby Lee goes to his house and he opens fire through a window when he sees him walk by. But it turns out Chow Hayes had already left for the day, and it was his nephew. Oh. And his nephew was just walking through the house, and he was killed. Oh, this won't so, turn out well for uh, Bobby Lee. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Lee. Lee. And not Bobby Tiger Lee, belly. the comedian. <laughs> no, no Tiger Belly. <laughs> so Chow's nephew died on the spot, and Chow was furious. Bobby Lee went into hiding. Now, one night, eight weeks later, Chow and his partner and both of their wives were at a local uh, like club slash cabaret restaurant, local hangout, and they spot Bobby Lee at a table Uh-oh. with about a group of about a half dozen of his friends. Chow tells his friends to leave with the women, and Bobby Lee starts talking shit to Chow, and he told him, "What do you think you're gonna do? Shoot me in a club full of people?" <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> So that was exactly what, what he was thinking he was going to do. That's the, is that the crime scene? Yeah, that's the crime scene. <laughs> Chow Hayes emptied his gun into him. He hit him in the chest. Well, how many bullets were in his gun? I don't know. I heard five or six. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Either one. What's so, the sixth one that did it? Right. <laughs> so that's why. First five you ate easily. So I purposely I purposely changed it to he emptied his gun because I, first I had five <laughs> shots and then I found six shots. Oh, and no like, shit. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to put he emptied his gun. That's <laughs> awesome. And then some asshole had to ask how many bullets were in it. Like, look, I don't know. Motherfucker. Five <laughs> so or six. He, he shot him a few times and... Uh... <laughs> So what it sounds like is he had a revolver. Four less than ten. So somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing by this picture with the glove, that's old Lee there. Yeah, that's Bobby Lee. When he was still alive. Yeah. You look at him, though, he was a pretty slim guy. Pretty wiry. Yeah. So 
I can see why he would think he was... uh, Actually, I haven't seen Chow yet. I don't know why he would think that he was bigger shit than Chow, so... Maybe because he's a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And and you figure he beat the shit out of Chow's gang, so going back to what we were talking about earlier, the boxer, when it comes to hands, is very different than the average guy. But the gangster, when it comes to guns, mm-hmm. is very different than the average guy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? Shoot me in a club now. full of people? Shoot me in front of a club full <laughs> exactly. of people? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yes. Yes, yes. yes as a matter of fact, I I, that's exactly what I was gonna do. Why do you think I had my guys take the ladies and leave? It's <laughs> funny you should ask. <laughs> as a matter of fact, Bobby, that was the first hint, Bob. <laughs> Listen here, Bobbo. Uh, when I sent everybody out. That's because I was going to do some shit. (laughs) I thought you knew that already, but... Okay. So Chow goes into hiding, but he eventually gets arrested by a famous Australian detective named Ray Gunner Kelly. Well, I've heard of him. Have you? No. (laughs) Well, he's famous. Well, he was like a big-time cop, but he also turned out to be kind of a corrupt cop. We'll put it this way. After he hunts down Chow when he finds him, there was 80 people in the club. Nobody would testify. Everybody, when they were brought in for interview, So they were smarter than Bobby. Yeah. When they all found out it was Chow Hayes, everybody was like, not going to testify. So Ray Kelly, the, the crooked cop, he actually, at one point, when nobody would testify, he told Chow Hayes, he said, you're going to tell all your lies to say you didn't do it, and I'm going to tell all my lies to prove you did do it. <laughs> okay. That's a pretty honest statement. That's an like, approach. Say, I'm going to meet you halfway. going to lie. Whoever <laughs> lie is the best, yeah. that's who wins. But we both know what we're doing here. Yeah. So I get, the, I get the corrupt thing that you were talking about. Yeah, I right. can see that now. So he was a cop. I mean, he obviously was good. He caught him. But he's also saying, well, you know what? So he was the precursor for like every 70s cop or detective that you've seen in every movie in the 70s? Ray Kelly manufactures a bunch of evidence, and they try to convict him of the crime. But after two mistrials, they were unable to get a conviction. Two mistrials? Yeah, two mistrials. Wow, that's impressive. Well, so going into the third trial, Ray, <laughs> Ray Kelly goes in, goes up they to Chow really, Hayes. really, really, really. get this thing right. <laughs> because, uh, so that tells you right there that this is the one case where they were like, but we have all this on him. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the one that they really, really had a hard time letting go of. Yeah, no, we want this one. Yeah, they're like, with all of these witnesses, all of this shit, all this stuff happened. Like, there's no way that we can't get him. Yes. So then they lose it the first time. They get the mistrial. The second time, they're like, okay, there's no way it's going to happen again. And then it happens again? <laughs> it's like, man, they had to be so pissed. Well, because even though they are right. Right. He did do it. Yeah. They do not have the evidence. Mm-hmm. So Man, it's, it's that's a, so crazy. So that's why you keep getting a mistrial, because he can't prove he didn't do it, because he did. But they can't <laughs> prove that he did, because and they don't have no evidence. And he's not comfortable enough to confess yet. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I did it, guys. Like, maybe after the third mistrial, I'll then con- I'll tell you that I did I'll it. I'll confess eventually. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> yeah. today. You know me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so before they go into the third trial, Ray Kelly comes to him, and he says... In this trial, I think we're going to have to bring up your wife as an accomplice before the fact. Chow Hayes didn't want his wife implicated in any of the crimes, so that led to him admitting to the murder. It took him three tries to find that angle? I guess. Oh, come on, man. You know, like, it's really? Australia. They hadn't been around for a long time what? like that. You know, they had to get the wife? to American <laughs> rules. You know, in America, you that's the first thing You mean go after the wife? Do. 
Exactly. America is like, first thing we do is going after everybody close to you. Yeah. You know, somebody's going to roll. Australia's like, no, let's leave her out of this. We're going to go. We're going to go to the time, family all right, members shit, of the We got to go to the real guns. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, you would go to the witnesses, relatives of the witnesses, mm-hmm. like this and that. Like, Well, for the record, Chow Hayes thought it was a dirty move, too. But I mean, like for a guy that comes to you basically telling you he's willing to do whatever it takes. To put you away, it takes him to the third try to be like the wife. Yeah, you know the what wife. happened? He sent a telegram to America, and they were like, "Hey, this is what we do here." He got a. Oh, this is a great idea. It was probably, it was probably a clerk. It was probably a clerk that was like, "Do you ever think of going after the wife?" Oh shit! That's a great That's a idea. idea. That's a great idea. Fucking idea. Let's do it. <laughs> Come see, on, man. See, it only took a little uh only took a little fuck a bit of whiskey to get the accent out of you. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy, bro. Nineteen fifty four he was sentenced to hang. But two years into his sentence, Australia eliminated the death penalty and took it off the books, and his sentence was commuted <laughs> to life. Mm-hmm. Lucky man. The rest of his life, even though he didn't get into politics, he did say he supported the Labor Party because that's who had the death penalty taken off the books. Oh, God, man. So he was like, oh, yeah, I'm a supporter. The Labor Party. They're my guys. They're great. What's their platform? Oh, I have no idea. It it is insane, though, to have that many witnesses. And then the way that you get him is like, you know, "Eh, you're you're white. I mean, it says a lot about him. Yeah. He obviously didn't want his wife uh, bundled up in everything that he had been doing. But people said that. That's why they kind of determined that he wasn't a psychopath or even a really sociopath. Okay. That he just had like like Ang- social angry. disorders and, oh, okay. and stuff like that. Yeah. Because he for sure he for sure loved his wife a lot. You know he compartmentalized his life. He had a set of morals. Yeah. So I don't know, he's pretty much a broken person. Is what I think he was. You yeah. Know, he's broken at a sense. young age. And uh, what are you gonna do? It makes total sense. Look, he dropped out of school at eight. What the fuck do you think he was going to do when he grew up? Start right. a fucking Fortune 500 company and shit? Exactly, yes. No, he <laughs> literally stands over people and takes their stuff. <laughs> That's what he does Listen, for a living. He missed he his green beans. There was definitely something going on before the evolution of PETA where he could have started kangaroo boxing. <laughs> the kangaroo boxing league, I'm pretty sure it would have been great. He missed his, his calling. <laughs> he could have killed Bobby Lee with a boxing kangaroo. Hey, then he wouldn't even have had it. Right? I never I did it. Shit. I never did mm-hmm. it. I didn't do shit. Never did it. Did you see the Rue? <laughs> I didn't see the Rue. No crime. <laughs> so, in Australia, life in prison usually meant 20 years. America's harsher prison system than almost anywhere in the world. Everywhere else is pretty much a life sentence. It's like, ah. Or just a life sentence means just a long time. Yeah. Isn't ours 25, though? Yeah. What's that? Isn't our life sentence 25? 25 to 25 life. To, to life. Okay, yeah. so whichever comes first. <laughs> it's like 25. If you make it out of the 25 oh, we years. don't think that's your rating. 25 you know? years, he's still alive, so we got to keep him in here. In, in, 20, in, in 25, we can talk. Yeah, okay. So during the 60s, there's a different breed of criminals being sent to prison. There's a lot of armed robbers and drug dealers that were violent and much younger than Chow, who is now in his 50s. But with his only skill being a standover, he started trying to uh, get in a lot of fights with other prisoners. Basically because all he knew how to do was take stuff from people. Mm-hmm. And now he's just an old man in prison. He's out of his yeah. time, basically. Yeah. You know, he started in the 20s, now it's the 60s. Okay. And it's just younger, meaner dudes. Yeah. This led to him getting a lot of fights. At one point, he got a piece of his ear bit off. When he went to the doctors, 
The doctor said that they could have sewn it back on, but the guy chewed it up too bad. Poor guy got holy fielded. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chopper Reed tells a story about Chow when he was trying to stand over Russell Mad Dog Cox for some of his tobacco. I'll put the link in the, in the show off. notes. But basically, Chow did what he was used to doing and walked up to this dude and said he wanted some of his tobacco. And he's like, give me some tobacco. And the guy's like, no, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you better give me some. And this guy was like, <laughs> why is this fucking old man bugging me? <laughs> Don't you know who I am? That's exactly what Chow said. Really? Yes. Yeah. Swear to God. Did you read the story? Because, yeah, Chow Hayes no. said, Chow Hayes said, don't you know who I am? <laughs> and and Russell awesome. Mad Dog Cox said, don't you know who I am? And Russell Cox said, how about I shove the tobacco up your ass? And Chow Hayes basically ended up telling him, he's like, I'll blow your fucking head off. And uh, Russell Cox said, all right, well, whenever it is you get out of here, come see me. <laughs> and you can come blow my fucking head off. But while we're here, if you want to try and take my tobacco, That's it's hilarious. whatever. I've heard of a lot of things in prison, and I'm not saying this has never happened, but I haven't heard of guys just blowing other guys' heads <laughs> over. Yeah. Unless you overpowered a guard or something, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> just, just now he's an old man, and that's his go-to threat. But did you he doesn't your, realize he's behind prison. Did, did you boof a handgun? Like, what did you? Like, how are you going to blow his head? Are you going to st- borrow one from one of, the, one of the gads? Thanks for listening. Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us at sayhellotothebadguypodcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube, and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. Good God, that's great. All right, we're back from an extra bonus break. And I, I bragged earlier because I poured Verner's on whiskey and said, it, and said that I made a cocktail. Humble brag. <laughs> so yeah, the wife showed up and made chocolate martinis. And Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This is... Uh... This is pretty damn great. It's not a yeah. chocolate martini. I don't think that does it justice. Yeah. This is like chocolate gold. Yeah. This <laughs> is like, if you take what we just had before, which was that Jameson um, um, cold, the, the brew, cold brew, yeah. and then you add chocolate and you add heaven to it, <laughs> and those layers, extra heaven. that's what this drink is. Yeah, I don't is, know if it has a name, but that's what fantastic. it is. fantastic. Well, I mean, next time I'm gonna still I'm gonna still pour pop on some alcohol and pretend like it's a drink. But listen, man, I don't gauge my masculinity on the shape of the glass that I hold, or what's in it, or the color of the shit that's in it. As long as I'm happy, right? And as long as I look like a tough ass fucking while I'm drinking it, right? Well, this luckily, is goddamn this, great. This isn't a video show, so they can't see us sip, sipping on these. They don't see my pinky out. It's definitely well, a martini glass, but the way I look at it. Fucking James Bond drank martinis. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So I'm a badass they didn't for have this martini. Them, <laughs> but it did have an olive. Shaken, it not did stirred. Have an olive. Extra chocolate. I'll take chocolate over an olive any day. <laughs>
So we left off. Chat was struggling in prison in the 60s as (laughs) as an older man that nobody wants to fucking bow down to no more. So this is where I'm just going to be honest. Okay. All the information gets fuzzy. Date-wise, it'll all check out in the end. These dates could be off. So if you're in Australia, don't get super mad. So I watched a ton of documentaries, read every article available. I watched the documentary that gave me one date, right? And then I listened to an interview that was longer than the documentary with the executive producer of the documentary. And he said different dates. Okay. So I just went, I mean, what are you going to do? How, uh, right. You're like, what are we doing How big here? was the, uh, the difference though? Was well, I big? think it all adds up at the end. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm just going to throw. We're going to do some fuzzy math based on the all information right. that's well, out there. Fuck and it. First of all, I love fuzzy math. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So, so the legend has, math I know. Legend has it. This is my version of the story. I know woolly math. <laughs> I'm really bad. Whenever you hear the words legend has it, in your mind, just put quotation marks and know that whatever's coming after it is fuzzy math. Yeah, yeah print the legend. <laughs> print, yeah, the print, legend. The legend. print the legend. What's something like this? <laughs> so he goes into prison. He's struggling through the 60s. Uh, he gets released from prison in 1967. Okay. Uh, he goes right back to extorting Sydney criminals. Uh, he was soon implicated in the murder of a brothel owner. He was able to do that. He was able to reintegrate right into the lifestyle that he was already familiar with well he went for two guys specifically one okay. owned uh one owned a gambling den one one owned a brothel okay so i think a lot of people weren't doing business like that so okay. when he went away in the 20s to 50s that was the big business okay his speakeasies casinos brothels now when he's back out a lot less people are doing that okay more people are doing drugs Drugs is the big business. You okay. know, we're selling drugs. We're selling guns. We're we're doing big shit. We're not meeting in places all the time. Right, out, right, right, sure. yeah. So I think he just kind of picked on the only couple old school guys that were left. Honestly, at the end, so he liked to drink a lot, and he was a compulsive gambler. gambler. Okay. Till the day he died, he would just walk up to, like, bookmakers and stuff and be like, hey, can I hold 50? Jesus. <laughs> and they'd just be like, uh, hey. Like throw, he was a legend throw, or throw him 50 like, and shit yeah really so yeah. this is the rule if so it was like I a respect mean, you thing? pay me yeah. i mean okay. it was a respect thing it was kind of a i mean i don't know you want to get stabbed by an old man exactly <laughs> if i win you pay me if i lose let's forget the whole thing ever yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know it's okay it's okay so he gets out in 67 yeah he gets he, he goes back to what he does smaller scale though there's only a couple of people doing that kind of thing okay he ends up, in 1970, he was sent back to prison for grievous bodily harm after cutting up a man's face with a broken piece of glass in a bar fight. Which is, like, code for, man, you really fucked him up, but he didn't die. It's like, uh, it's like Eli Roth shit. Grievous body is harm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like when we're just being mean for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he yeah. took a piece of glass and he cut him up. Now, some people say that it was because... He's seen the guys. He took a lady's, the waitress's money. Okay. So he's, he t- took the barmaid's money, so he broke a Defense bottle. Defense of her? Yeah. So he's seen the guy steal the money, breaks the bottle, and cuts the guy's face up. He might have just... I mean, who knows? You yeah. Know? At some point, he's he for sure cut the fuck out of the guy's face. <laughs> okay. With, uh, Turned so him into that. a human jigsaw puzzle. At some yeah. point, he was dismembered. But that's only weird because now we're in the 60s. He's from the Razor Wars in the 20s, okay. where that's just that's what true. we did, right? Yes. That's how 
<laughs> I, this I is how it. we fight our wars and yeah. shit. Like yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna cut you across your face real bad. How about that? And you're like, like what the fuck, dude? You're really old school. He's man. crying. I just gave him a rep on the streets. Yeah. Why is he crying? That's crazy. Consider yourself maimed. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why didn't you just shoot me, <laughs> asshole? When he goes back, he ends up doing another seven years. Um, Whatever. Well, yeah, so you're 67 now. He was eventually released in 1977. His wife had... Wow. Year I was born, 1977. Man, what a span. Like, seriously, like, the amount of shit that changed and you know what i'm saying like the innovations and things that he has been a criminal during this entire time is pretty interesting Mm -hmm. he 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 was married to a woman that was nicknamed topsy (laughs) (laughs) that was in the 70s like that's that's pretty fucking crazy late 70s well it's funny you said that because topsy died while he's in prison he didn't get to attend Mm -hmm. the funeral and two of his four children died also Jesus. And then Topsy, his daughter, uh, grew distant. All his money was gone from habitual gambling and expensive legal fees. He spent a lot of money staying, you know, not getting hung. (laughs) When he got out, he lived a crime-free life in a flat with his niece. At some point, he decides, like, uh, he could probably sell a story or something. At least he still had family. Yeah. Some sort of family. Oh, this is the story I was going to tell earlier. So now he's out. You know, it's 77. He would be in his late 60s. Okay. So he's an old man, and he's out, and he's being a good guy. And he, he would still make his nephew drive for him. And he told his nephew one time was go out and gamble. He took him out to, uh, like, the races. His nephew said he would go up to a bunch of the old school guys, so he'd find the old school bookies and walk up to them, just kind of give them, like, a what's up, and they would turn around and tell their fucking guys their child 50. And uh, his nephew said he sat there and watched him collect 400 bucks real quick. He'd just go up to all the old school bookies and just be like, hey, what's up? And they'd, all be, like, <laughs> wow. and they'd be like, hey, hit him. Well, yeah, that, give, that him didn't work give him something and shit. Well, at one point, his nephew asked him, he says, if you're betting the money anyways, why don't you bet it back with that bookie so they at least got a chance to win their money back? And Chow said it was unethical to bet your money with a man that you'd already took it from. He eventually decides his story is sellable. He sets up a deal with an author who wrote a book about his life. It's called Chow Hayes Gunman, and it was written by David Hickey. The book does well, and he does the interview circuit, so there's a lot of videos you can watch of Chow Hayes. So this would be like in the early early 80s or mid-80s? This would be late 80s, early 90s. Late 80s, okay, no shit. Oh, wow, we jumped that far. Okay. Boy, he made a good run of it, huh? Um, That's a decent run, man. I'm just getting my DEFCON yeah. fucking ratings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at his run here, and I'm like, okay. Now, the author of the book admits, he said, it was the only book tour he's ever did where nobody wants to talk to the author. <laughs> so they just went a book, on a book tour, and they found out Chow Hayes would just talk. And he'd be like, yeah. So I shot him. Like, what would you do with your razor? He'd be like, well, cut him. In addition to doing his, his book tour, he had a famous painting of him done by a guy named Bill Lake who had been in the uh, Archibald Art Exhibition over 20 times. He's like a, a legend in Australian art. What's his name? Bill Lake. Bill Lake, Bill Lake. okay. Yeah. Look him up. He was, uh, he's more of a cartoonist. Uh, like caricatures? or? Well, that's what he would typically do. But gotcha. the, the Archibald Exhibition is like an art, like legit yeah, art. Yeah, yeah. And shit. I did a little bit of research on it. Every year they have the, the Archibald finalist is like the elite of the elite. And okay. then one person wins it. So Bill Lake did a picture of Chow Hayes. And then wow. he submitted to the Archibald in 91-92 that made the Archibald finalist. Wow. Mm. So that added some validity to right. his existence. Well, because Bill Lake's already a stud in 
that world right. of doing the art, and one of his best works was Chow Hayes. one of Chow Hayes. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. On his deathbed, Chow Hayes was bitching that David Hickey, that did his book, mm-hmm. had made millions and cheated out of him, and was telling people to tell Dave Hickey to get down there and bring him his money, because if he had to drag himself down there, he was going to kill him. If I get out of this yeah. bed, he's a dead man. <laughs> uh, he died the he died the next day. Exactly. <laughs> so he didn't quite make it happen. No, they didn't make it happen. No. So he was a prick to the end. So on his last day, he was still okay. He was still standing over the guy that wrote his story. So, so who? So he was who he was. Yeah. He had a story wrote about him, and he thought, "Hey, this book is about me." I see he was on this bestsellers list. Okay. We're rich, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no. So he thought it was like a That's... point system, like he was in a sitcom or something. Well, no, he just thought he thought I'm doing these interviews and I yeah. wrote a book and I'm just gonna be rich. And the guy's like, well, that's not how books work, and we didn't really make no money. You know, it's like a passion project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you make some money. He just thought he's gonna have millions. It's coming. more an opportunity to like branch out and do other things, right? With that notoriety, right? But he thought that was just his payday. Yeah, he thought that was it. He just wasn't as big as he thought he was. Yeah, when you but branch thought, out into other things, like 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 you said earlier with like Chopper Reed, like when uh, when other people outside of that country know who that person is, then right. your possibilities are a little bit greater. Plus, a lot of times books themselves don't make money. It's all the ancillary things around books. Yeah, for sure. He died of cancer on May 7, 1993. Wasn't me. Cancer with a regular E. Yes. It wasn't it was cancer because <laughs> this was two days after El Cinco de Mayo, so I know cancer. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> That's still hangover time. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me, man. So he confessed to five murders, but researchers think that the number was double. His police record was six pages long. Wow. When it was done, he, they spent over 30 years in prison. That's crazy. But when it's like yeah. spaced out like that, it's just, it's completely different. That's very interesting because like if he did 30 years like straight, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But when it's chopped up into little pieces like that, it's like little segments of each decade of your life or whatever, yeah. like different, whatever area you're in at your life. That's a little more interesting. It's like a fish out of water story mm-hmm. because he's always going every away time. and then coming back out. Yeah. And every time it's a different decade, it's a completely different lifestyle. It's, a, right. it's different crime, different things in that like... To be able to go in, come out, and then reintegrate yourself into whatever's going on and then and do the same like repeatedly is just it's interesting, to say the least. All right, that's the story of Chow Hayes. So say good night to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're gonna see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Alright, so you guys so you haven't seen a picture yet, but say we're no. gonna cast a movie about <clears throat> Chow Hayes. Okay. From what you have so far, before I show you a picture, who would you cast to play him? I'll go first. So, other than hearing he was about 5'8 and slim, there was really no depiction of him. If I gazed off of uh, the boxer that he killed, if I gauged saying that in that area at that time, they looked a little bit more like Lee, I could easily see an Ed Norton type of person playing that character just gauging that he was of similar look features to Lee. But I don't know that to be true. 
I feel I feel like Ed Norton loves that role to get to pretend like he's Australian and do like a fucking oh, throw yeah. himself into some an Australian <laughs> that people think is Asian. He's like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Oh, I can do it. I got it. I got it. He played a disabled safe cracker for like fucking ninety nine percent of the, the movie. The score ever. That's I mean that's pretty damn great. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I can do it. I got it. I'll do it. So my pick would be since. They thought he looked Asian, but I don't know what their idea of an Asian at that time was. And even though he is actually Asian, uh, my guess would be, even though he's dead, would be Brandon Lee. Mm, Brandon Lee would be my choice. Uh, Obviously with a a uh, period-specific haircut. Yeah. But that's the only person I can really think of. But see, I like that. I like that answer because Brandon Lee, one, he almost never comes up. Two, as we know, his career was cut very short due to tragedy on the scene. Right. Uh, but then, you know, three, he looks more white than Asian. Yeah. And his father, of course, is the legendary Bruce Lee, but his mother was actually white. And so he has that nice blend. But a lot of times people's idea of an Asian isn't an Asian. Right. It's a... Uh, Caucasian version yeah. of an Asian. Yes, exactly. You know Asia I mean? is a so, giant continent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think half uh, of Russians are Asian. Point. Different regions. Yeah. People look different. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, so that is, so this is Billy Drago. I wouldn't even pick Google, uh, Google Billy Drago. I wouldn't please. pick an Asian dude or a white dude to play him. I would pick. I do not know this guy's name, but he plays often black. A Latino in movies, depending okay. on the movie, and he looks just like that guy. He played in um, it wasn't fresh. It so was, this is um, Billy Drago. Shit, I can see that. Oh, let me that, find. That this looks guy. like I guess that looks like that guy. picture of him. Yeah, yeah, that's the first. Yeah, that's Billy Drago for sure. Look up. I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. I'm gonna spell it, <laughs> especially after these drinks. G I A Giancarlo. Esposito? Yeah. Esposito? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Google Look knew it up. quick. And this oh, is the that's, guy that uh, said, yeah, he Gene often Carlo, plays, Esposito. Esposito he jumps between playing a black guy and a, a, all a little bit of all that. I just, I just, yeah. I, if you look at this Gus, guy, uh, the way that he looks, like, features-wise, I literally can see this guy playing him. Yeah, Gene, well, yeah, you Gene, look it up and tell me what Realistically, Giancarlo can play anything. Well, this is him as an old man. Okay, so he grew into older Billy Drago. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then this is the pitcher, the Archibald finalist for 91-92. Yeah, I want to see this. Okay, so it's funny how you can take somebody who has done so much horrible shit in their life and just make them look like just your average, ordinary, older man. Smoking. The eyes always give it away, though. If you look at the eyes yeah, on there's this, a lot or even there. if you go back to the other picture, I'm a firm believer I forget the exact quote, but it's something like the eyes are the gateway to the soul. Mm-hmm. You really can see the difference in people's eyes, and it tells a little bit of a different story. For sure. Especially when somebody has a deep history, and you can see, like, I don't know if the right word is troubled or a, Experience. a story. Yeah, a story <laughs> past Things are there. In, in his eyes where even at that age, you know, going back to the story of like him in prison or whatever, and it's like yeah. he's telling a guy, listen, you know, come up off of that or whatever. When he looks at you, 
he believes a hundred percent of what he's saying. Right. And you see that in his eyes. And that carries right. a lot the of The only difference is what you believe in yourself. Yeah. Right. He believes what he's saying, period. And that gauges right. the reaction that people give when exactly. he says that shit. Yeah. And so right. for your average person that's gonna come through there is not sure in themselves, they're gonna yeah. fold to that. But then you get Russell Cox who yes. says Can you go back to the other picture yeah. before this? Who says uh, I, I see what's in your eyes, but <laughs> you don't know that I am a savage myself. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. Those eyes, you, you, it, that real recognized real shit. Yes. Yeah. All right. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. So standard DEFCON scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. But on the bad guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. So five is Lee Murray, who's your crack dealing, kidnapping bank robber. And one would be the purple gang, who's got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and they're killing people on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the purple gang, where would you rate? Chow Hayes. So at least the first body or two that he's claimed or it's been put on him, I would say those are kind of justifiable based on our DEFCON scale. I always feel like if something's in the middle of whatever combat is, that's just collateral damage, as you Mm. mentioned earlier. It's really when it goes outside of that to where it's an issue for me because everybody's bad guys. That's just what it is. If we look at the five that he's confessed to, he we take three away, and there's not a whole lot of lot of data on the other three. I can't put him at a one or a two, and I could can't put him at like a five because he has at least five bodies that he confessed to. Yeah, so it's like I have to put him around a solid three. You know, and it's really just because he has bodies, at least five that we know of, maybe more. He seemed to only confess to what he's at least been on trial for. But my guess is he has more bodies than what he's been tried for. I I would assume every gangster does. Does a secret or two. Yes. So from that, I'm going to put him in a solid three. I think at more information, he may have been a little bit higher so to speak on a scale but just based on information i'm going to put him right in the middle of the three yeah it's really difficult because when you get into guys like this that have their little moral compasses they have their years and years decades of longevity i mean it it, when you strip away all the shit that they did it's kind of hard not to look at it as like a career and look yep. at it as like, you know, your years of re- relevancy, the years of respect that you commanded, uh, this and that. Plus, you know, not living in that area, I don't know how he's spoken about. So, you know, there may be people that be like, oh, you know about Chow, like Chow was like, you know, this, he was like this, you know, they look, how they look upon him. So, I mean, I have to agree, it's hard to go past a three into two, but at the same time, like, man, it's, it's. A long time that he was around doing shit and able to command uh, any type of respect to to the point where when he was older, uh, people would still kind of give him the benefit of the doubt, even though he wasn't really in the game anymore, which kind of leads me to believe that he was revered by criminals in a way that a lot of people aren't. It's almost kind of like in Chicago, Tony Ricardo, where a lot of the guys we talk about it's a small period of time. So yeah. they kill a bunch of guys in two or three years and they get in trouble and they bust. Yeah. You know, you get a Tony Accardo, you get a Chow Hayes, 
They do it for decades. Right. So yeah, there's this violence, but when you if you do it per capita, where you spread it out over yeah. average of seven, you know, per capita. Right. I'm just saying he started at eight. You know, he died right. at fucking in the yeah. 90s and shit. I mean, yeah. what are we talking about? A, a, a body a decade? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, you stretch it out a little bit. When you compress that, it looks worse. He died in the 90s. You know, it's crazy. And I always look at it like, how many different movies can you make out of one lifetime? Because you got one, you got guys that have only killed once. But the story yeah. is so crazy that it's like, man, somebody couldn't wait to see a movie about that. Then you got right. guys that have killed like 20 people, and you're like, well, you know, it's there's nothing there story wise. Only strictly right. looking at it in a story story wise. Right. Um, then you take somebody that has like that many years and be like, you know, how many stories can you co- can you pull from that career? All right, so we can uh, we call them a unanimous DefCon three. I think so, yeah. Zach, this is Crystal Palace. Sink Norad has declared DEFCON 3. Scramble all alert aircraft. I repeat, scramble all alert aircraft. All right, so we got to do some listener feedback. First, we got a review. We got a Facebook now, so you can go follow us at uh, Say Hello to the Bad Guy Podcast on Facebook. So we got our first Facebook review. It's from, oh, uh, shit. So it's from Justin Wallace. Yeah. From where? Doesn't say. Oh, shit. Just anonymous. Well, on my piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm brick and mortar, dude. Yeah. I had to print this out. Oh, I got yeah. all these screens in front of me. I still print this piece of paper. I'm dot matrix printer. Uh, just for in case anybody doesn't know, <laughs> Locke literally has two computers and two extra monitors in front of him, and he still prints everything out. <laughs> I just want the people to know this because there's a lot of technology here. We, there's like yeah, switchboards and dial things and all stuff he does, but. He has his series of pieces of paper. There are well, three parakeets. There are three parakeets in a cage <laughs> that have ink on their little claws, and he shocks them with electric, <laughs> uh, with an electric shock, and then they print whatever he tells them. Here, Morse here code. comes the Morse code. Here there you comes go. Peter. So, so our first review. Peter Bread. I'm gonna put the birds in Peter Bread. So our first review from Justin Wallace says five stars, two thumbs up, and one dick out for Harambe. The show is too funny. I was told about the show from a friend, and I can't express how much I love hearing about the underworld from y'all. Much love. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Keep your dick in your pants, but <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, please. That's awesome. This is 2020, man. You... Well, let's not be restrictive. Yeah. Please. You know, you should keep your dick in your pants. Well, it depends, well, it depends where on where you're at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're at Bogarts. Let's not be I'm stupid. sorry. I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> um, if you're at Beep, then you, you know. We got another international review. So we got our first review from Italy from a Roberts 89. That's awesome. So I love this podcast. Funny, entertaining and informative. Who said history is boring? That's actually really fucking cool. I love the fact that we have somebody in Italy. And first of all, I've never visited these places, but family members that have visited and somehow smuggled wine back for me. The two places that have had the best wine by far tastes nothing like American wine. Huh. It's Italy and Spain. I don't know what they do to their mm. wine, but it tastes nothing like American wine. It's their feet. And it is fucking that... delicious. Their, their feet are different. Listen, whatever it is. <laughs> American feet are different feet. Yeah, American feet are feet, sick. Those are the <laughs> best tasting toes ever. Have you ever sucked an Italian girl's toe? I mean, it's, no. it's a completely different I'll experience. I'll have to try yeah. it now. <laughs> I think this is about as off the rails as we can get. <laughs> so we'll wrap this up. Most of it was off mic, though. Yeah, yeah. Most of the yeah. off rails was yeah. off mic. So I've been drinking, in, I so I don't okay. know what was mm-hmm. off mic and what was on mic. So just forgive me for anything I said. 
<laughs> All right, well, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Drink up. Yeah, say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Down bad, my mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Hey, hey. So I don't money grabbed a hundred hams. I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie. Ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. Ay. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy, bad guy, good 